Yeah, when that speaking spell voice comes on, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Yeah, especially if you're one of our geeks in stakes using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Or hey, maybe you're hanging out in the house all alone watching the rain like i've been for the last three days oh my gosh it's raining so much here whatever the case we're gonna be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod they bring the show to you their generosity their support means we get to keep making these and we are so happy about that. In return, they get some cool stuff. Bonus, bonus content. They get ad-free versions of the show. They get video versions of the show on demand. And bonus extra stuff. The Cool Ranch level patrons on Wednesdays get the paid DLC program where we talk about a wide range of topics. Whatever comes up, whatever's on our mind, it's fun. It's funny. It's uh, oftentimes... Uh, disturbing. Hey, you never know what you're going to get on the paid DLC program, but you do know you're going to get it if you're supporting the show at the Cool Ranch level at DLC Pod at patreon.com slash DLC Pod. Also, we got spoiler chats. We're going to be doing a spoiler chat for Jedi Survivor real soon for the Horizon Burning Shores DLC. Become a patron, support the show, and get all kinds of extra cool content at patreon.com slash dlcpod. But this show, the main show, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who, by the time you're hearing this, may have already won our bet, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Yes, we are recording early. It is Mother's Day weekend here, and so the Warriors and Lakers will have continued to play games after, uh, I don't know what happens. Who knows what the future holds? Um, it's three games to two right now. It's anybody's It's anybody's guess. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, I could be a very happy, a very sad boy. I don't know. I mean... By the time you're hearing this, I'm probably sad because that's my normal state. But um, it <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with basketball. <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, well, go Warriors is all I have to say. And that may sound um, too late <laughs> by the time you hear this. But it's been fun watching the series. Christian and I, of course, uh, if you know, have a wager uh, on this, uh, friendly wager on this on this series. Because our, our Christian's B team and my A team are playing into each other. Oh, boy. It's good fun. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to talk sports because we got tons of video games to talk about. Huge video games, highly anticipated video games, uh, Zelda video games, basically. And my goodness, do we have an awesome guest to talk about it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Daring to Lean Close. Because that's kind of a way to talk about being on the verge. And from the verge, from the verge, we have video game reviewer Ash Paris joining us for the first time. Hi, Ash. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that little creative segue before. Lean in. I like it. 
<laughs> nah, yeah. Well, hey, I've been a big fan of your content for a long time. I've been Thank trying you. to get you on the show for a long time. I'm so delighted that you're here. I uh, loved reading your Tears of the Kingdom review. We're going to dig into that later in the show. But uh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad we can make this work out. I'm excited to talk about Zelda. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, before that, though, we got to start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. You can contact us for any reason. Comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send it. There's another way to hang out and talk to other people that listen to the show, and that is in our communities. You can visit our subreddit, which is 5 by 5 dlc reddit.com and uh, our discord is also five by five dlc on discord really fun folks hanging out talking games and all sorts of other stuff i urge you to take part in the community but ash you are our guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week interesting um you know, Zelda is pretty much the only thing that I am capable of thinking about right now. Um, I just finished writing a review after putting about 100 hours in the game over the course of two weeks. So if it's not Zelda, I I don't really know about it right now. It, um, I guess I can say that um, as of the time that we're recording, um, Zelda launched at like midnight tonight. And from what I hear, two hours after that, some speedrunner posted that they had beaten the game in about an hour and 30 minutes already. So I haven't seen the speedrun yet, so I don't know exactly what they do to get to the end of the game. But I'm really excited to look at it because uh, speedrunners, they're my favorite brand of sickos. Like, I love the the like the the first days after a big game releases because it's like this magical time where these like extremely dedicated people are like working their hardest to like break these huge games down into their like component pieces and beat them in like you know 10 minutes 30 minutes 20 minutes we saw this with Elden Ring where the 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 world record was getting pushed from like an hour to 20 minutes to like eight minutes and things like that so I love seeing and I love what I will be able to see what uh, these Zelda speedrunners are doing so it's a really magical fun time for me right now. I agree. I, I love seeing this story. Uh, of course, the current record for Breath of the Wild speedruns is just under 24 minutes, uh, which is, you know, a game that obviously that we could spend hundreds and hundreds of hours in. Uh, pretty remarkable. But it, yes, this uh, it turns out the the first speedrun for Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> has clocked in at one hour, 34 minutes, 33 seconds which is pretty impressive for literally a game that's been out for about an hour, 34 minutes and 44 seconds. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just extraordinary. And, uh, you know, I, I, I must assume that because this game is such a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, some of those same thoughts and, and techniques had to be had to come into play right is 
I feel like if this was a completely different kind of Zelda game, nobody's going to be able to do that that quickly. Or or maybe are we attributing this to the fact that the game leaked a little early and people have had more time to play around with it? What do you think, Ash? I'm imagining that, you know, um, influencers got their copy early and they've had time to, you know, work on it a little bit so they can develop the strategies. Um, They're probably operating with the same amount of time that, you know, reviewers and other outlets are operating with. The interesting thing is, is that it is, not well you know narratively is not that much of a different game it's like a direct sequel but mechanically it is extremely different Mm -hmm. so the kinds of tip or the kinds of tricks that work in uh breath of the wild i don't imagine will port over to tears of the kingdom like uh, a lot of the things that speedrunners in uh breath of the wild did they they used the um the the kinetic energy to like go really fast right. where they would hit something and they would stasis it and they would hit something and it would shoot them off. You don't have an, the ability to do that in this game. So I don't know how they're traversing these big vast distances that quickly, if they're doing that at all. And it's just like a completely different toolkit that you have to develop completely different strategies for. So I'm really, really interested to see what they're doing. It, it, it's really remarkable that someone can identify the quickest way through something that fast. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't have my glider anymore either. That's another thing that was always something that, that speedrunners use, the glider. Christian, what do you think? I'm hour 34. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll that, tell you how, I'll tell you how I did it. Um, I was waiting to, uh, <laughs> to write up the thing before the, uh, I, I think what amazes me the most about this is, is just the, let me back up a little bit. Oftentimes when you're playing a game for a review, Jeff, we talked about this a little bit, and, and Ash, I'm, I'm certain you have experience with this as well. You get the provided documentation from the publisher, and it's right. like, here's some tips and tricks. And, it, and mm. sometimes it will call out helpful things, and other times it won't. And it depends on the game. And sometimes you just get a, don't turn on ray tracing, whoopsie. you know. But there's like usually something or like a letter from the executive producer. Like There's some type of something that goes with it. Sometimes it's helpful. Oftentimes, for me, I feel like I am playing games for review in the middle of the ocean. And I need to think of like, who are the four people I can text? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a bug? Am I stuck? Am I an idiot? Mm-hmm. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> There's clearly a clearly a solve for this. Then I'll, I'll text like you or somebody and I'll be like, oh, no, no. Uh, I didn't have that problem at all. My my bat loaded perfectly. And I'm like, oh, bug. Okay. And, you know, you, like, yeah. there's joy in it, but a little bit of frustration. And so with that context uh, laid, I think what's fascinating about these super fast speed runs or speed runs that happen so quickly after a game's release is that I have to imagine that if I feel like I'm playing a game for review in the middle of the ocean, a speed runner is playing it in the middle of the galaxy, you know, just like who do you text for tips and tricks? Like how many hours do you put in to find that thing where you can shave 20 minutes off of your speed run? You know, the completed speed run is an hour and a half 80 hours to get to that hour and a half. How many of those right. hours were spent? Okay, no, if I can just skirt this tree. Nope, I, I can do this. I just got to skirt this tree. No, okay, I can do this. Okay, I just got to use this. Th- like that part of it, I don't think there's been a, a full-blown docu- uh, documentary about something, but I would love like a 30 for 30 yeah. uh, you know, type piece about there's a great was done. There's a great documentary actually um, on Amazon Prime streaming right now uh, about speed running. That's sort of like mm. into the speed running world. I highly recommend it. Can't remember the title off the top of my head. I watched it at two X, so I watched it really. Fast. <laughs> yeah, I finished that speed running documentary in 14 minutes. I, I didn't amazing. even remember it. I just zipped right through it. 
any percent glitchless yeah i will say (laughs) that um just like game reviewers and journalists during this time where you have to kind of like ask around your friends like do you have zelda do you have zelda it's the same thing for speedrunners. like they're they're all in like this really tight-knit community and they've kind of got a division of labor thing going on where you'll have speedrunners who are actually playing the game and you'll have glitch hunters whose sole purpose is I want to see the things that can break and how I can break them. And a lot of times you see a lot of collaboration between glitch hunters and speedrunners where the glitch hunters will find the, the, the glitch and then the speedrunners will implement them. So I imagine that there is, because Zelda is what it is and there's a robust community of speedrunners that are all working together, that they're all like, you know, compiling notes and sharing and coming up with best practices for, you know, how to get this done. And I am more than positive because, you know, this is only day one that by the end of the day that that world record will be down to like maybe sub one hour. I don't, I don't know what's possible. Like it was really, I didn't know it was possible to speed run Elden Ring in eight minutes. And, and, you know, here we are. So I'm really, really, really excited to see, you know, the race to the bottom as it were. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, we'll have spent more time talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we should shout out the, by the way the the uh, the first speed running uh, record holder for for Tears of the Kingdom uh, is uh, goes by Gymnast eighty six. So congrats, Gymnast eighty six, for that hour thirty four thirty three. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure that by the time you guys are even hearing this, that'll that'll be broken. It's it's pretty cool, and I love hearing you talk about it, Ash. It's a, it's not a, a community I know much about. But it makes me think of that that scene from Ghostbusters. It feels like I am the glitch finder. I am the speed runner. You know, I yeah. am the gatekeeper. Uh, and I, they, they unite and, and take over the world. Uh, very cool. It's very cool to see that happening so quickly and with such a big game that people are so excited about that it's already about, um, you know, finding ways to. And especially this kind of game that's all about experimentation and being in a sandbox. Uh, it's neat to see people, you know, push at its edges and see what what they can break that's cool i'm i'm gonna well one more thing about zelda and then we can talk about something else um i have um twitch on right now um i'm watching people just stream zelda and uh, i'm watching gothalion right now i think his name is and um i love now that you know the game is out and more people have it like i love seeing how people tackle the same things differently so he's in a shrine that i did before and just seeing how he solved it versus all the pain and suffering i went through to solve (laughs) this particular shrine i'm like oh why didn't i think of that oh my goodness and i'm i this is like the part of my job that i love the most just like seeing people iterate and do things differently and learn things about this new game that everybody's excited about it's just a really really fun time that's awesome Awesome. And you're in a privileged position to be able to, uh, you know, watch the speed run and not have any spoilers. The rest of us are like, well, I mean, it's going to be a hundred hours until I can watch the speed run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, all right. So Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? There are, uh, some interesting stories that I want to talk about. Um, uh, everybody knows me. I'm trying to do a, a Jeff Kanata combined two into one sentence. Everybody knows me as a game freak who loves to play games on a handheld. Oh man, Jeff, you have a talent for cramming multiple stories into one story that I that I do not have. The story that I I want to talk about this week that I I think is the most interesting to me is the news of um, Game Freak partnering with um, Private Division for an upcoming game. Game Freak uh, made Pokemon is what they're most well known for. They've certainly made other games as well. This game has been announced as Project Bloom. We got one 
piece of concept art for it. Um, kind of a, a soldier or a samurai looking character in a forest with what I would call kind of creepy lighting, atmospheric yellows and, and greens, a uh, little bit of mist hanging in the background. And Private Division, a publisher offshoot of 2K, um, published some of my favorite games over the years. I really like the, the space that Private Division has played in. And this game is uh, planned... And Jeff, everything's delayed, so, you know, grain of salt. But it is planned for Take-Two's 2026 fiscal year, which is April 1, 2025, to March 31st, 2026. So this is already planned for several, several years down the line. We're kind of getting this announcement now. And what I find most fascinating about it is uh, the idea of Game Freak doing a potentially big budget AAA game unchained from Nintendo hardware. And of course, they've done other games. Game Freak's done other games before. Uh, They were allowed to play in a different space, but so much of their output has been Pokemon. And the most recent Pokemons have, uh, in my opinion, struggled technically on Switch. They've been incredible games, but you get some very low frames per second, lots of pop-in and stuff like that. And if they're able to make a compelling, interesting game on probably the PS6, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> the console that'll be out when this game comes out. But I find this I find this very exciting. Um, two companies who have made a lot of stuff that I've loved over the years announcing this new partnership. And I think it's exciting to see Game Freak doing stuff um, outside of Nintendo as well. Well, I guess that's not true. This could be still on Nintendo. Um, Maybe (laughs) published by Private Division exclusively for Switch. Oh, no. Everything I've said is a lie. Um, But of the things happening in the the far-flung future, I think this is the one that excites me the most. I think it's big. It it is in the far-flung future. And I I tend to uh, take all these with a grain of salt and and not get too, uh, too revved up before we know anything. The concept art does look nice does look nice obviously it's concept art right and it doesn't indicate at all what the kind of game is but it's i think it's cool to see a developer like this uh saying they're going to do something that's very different from what they've ever done before uh as 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 you brought up christian and it's uh it's pretty exciting to have um you know you are a big pokemon fan you're a big fan of what they've done before i'm not as familiar because i'm not huge pokemon player but uh anytime it feels like a uh, developer is like hey this is our passion project. We're going to tell you about it years in advance because uh, we're so excited about it. It gets me excited as well. Um, Ash, are you? Uh, what do you make of the 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 um, concept art? Is it something that looks interesting, or is it just not enough there to make any inferences at this point? It looks like at you know first rough glance, it reminds me of Sekiro. It has mm. um that kind of like dark tinge to it and the samurai character and like the big trees and it kind of reminds me of of the from software game uh Sekiro Shadows Shadows Die Twice which was a game that I loved but uh for me I'm also like not a big Pokemon person like I started playing those games but like I haven't really kept up with them especially not in my professional uh life but I always love it when developers do something different I like when especially with regards to new IPs like you know in video games, like in other media, all we're seeing right now is just sequel after sequel, reboot after reboot. 
IP after, you know, same, you know, static IP after static IP after static IP. Like there are no, there are original ideas out there, but like you, you rarely see like the big publishers go for something new and something unknown, which is, I think, very brave and very necessary in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Like, I, I hope it works uh, so we can see more original things coming from you know, games that are not like, you know, games as a service shooter, like, you know, times yeah. a million that we've been seeing a lot lately. Totally agree. Yeah. And anytime you get a new IP, anytime you get a, a company trying to start a new franchise or just create a title that isn't attached to any other existing franchise, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. And it should be applauded and it's happening less and less <laughs> so so yeah uh kudos and i guess we'll tune back in in 2026 you know that's not a real year that's yeah, for the game's <laughs> delay we'll tune in yeah. 2026 no. to say oh it's been delayed to 2030 cool, no, actually, cool, cool, it'll, cool. it'll be awesome we'll just fly over on our jetpacks right and and uh check out the game uh and then eat our uh meat paste and uh go about our day yeah it'll be amazing not a real year. At Not all. a real year. <laughs> I like the way uh, the other things you said were like kind of cool future things, and then somehow food got worse. Like we get jetpacks. Oh. The price of jetpacks <laughs> is meat paste. Like that's what we have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, soylent is already a thing. So true, true. Uh, and not that not that terrible to be honest. It's people. That's the be- that's the downside. <laughs> it's very gritty. <laughs> well, people can be. Hey, um, maybe this maybe this game will also be very gritty. Hey, you know, so way will, to bring uh, it back. Work um, all right, so you've left me many options for wonderful stories of the week because there's lots of really interesting stuff. We kind of already talked about the Rog Ally. A lot of the the leaks that we talked about last week uh, turned out to be true, but it was officially unveiled. Two skews, pretty interesting. That's ah, not going to be my story. Uh, I, I'm very excited to talk about a potential Mortal Kombat r- reboot. But that's going to be officially announced probably next week. We'll be able to talk about it then. It doesn't have to be my story of the week. What I, I see do what want. you're doing. Go ahead. Keep going. Do what yeah. I do want to talk about <laughs> are a couple of different ways that video games are entering the mainstream. One of them, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, four new games were announced as part of the video game, the World Video Game Hall of Fame, which is something we've talked about uh, before in past years when uh, new games were entering the pantheon of hall of fame games i think the four games that made the world video game hall of fame this year are pretty interesting they are we sports barbie fashion designer computer space which is a game from 1971 and the last of us so those are the four games that got entered into the uh the world video game hall of fame this year uh, and I'd love to hear uh, feedback on them. So let me just, uh, you know, go to Wii Sports obviously was the pack-in title when the Wii was was uh, launched, uh, kind of brought motion controls and waggle uh, to the world, was a massive hit, uh, was a massive mainstream hit. Uh, you know, people were uh, you know, on talk shows, daytime talk shows were playing Wii Sports. It was, it really was a, a, a sort of a crossover video game uh, that, help propel the Wii to, to astronomical sales and, and brought the idea of fitness in video games uh, to the mainstream. I think very worthy, worthy Hall of Fame game. Uh, Barbie Fashion Designer was a, is a PC game released in 1996. Uh, the blurb from the World Video Game Hall of Fame says, um, 
published by uh, Digital Domain and Mattel Media, it proved that a computer game targeted to girls could succeed, selling more than 500,000 copies in two months. Um, interesting. And uh, then Computer Space is a game I'd never even heard of, released in 1971, the first commercial video game, a title that, quote, proved that video games could reach an audience outside of computer labs. While not a bestseller, it was a trailblazer in the video game world and inspired its creators to go to, on to establish Atari, a video game giant in the 70s and 80s. So I'd never heard of Computer Space, but I think that's part of what a Hall of Fame is about, is opening your eyes to history. I think that's a worthy, uh, you know, the, literally the first commercial video game. Amazing. I've never heard of it. And then, you know, Last of Us, which has become a television series. So there you go. All right, uh, Ash, what do you think? I'm specifically uh, curious about your thoughts about the the Barbie fashion designer uh, entering the Hall of Fame, but Wii Sports and and uh, Last of Us and Computer Space, what are your thoughts? Uh, Wii Sports is absolutely a correct um, addition to the Hall of Fame, if only for its musical selections alone. Like those, <laughs> like the, the soundtrack for Wii Sports is phenomenal, banger after banger after banger. And on that alone, it merits inclusion. Um, I was not a Wii Sports person. I was a Wii Fit person. And I uh, used to work at Circuit City uh, before they went out of business. And I was working there when the Wii Fit came out. And I got to watch all these suburban uh, moms like throw fisticuffs over trying to get their hands on a balance board. Like, <laughs> I distinctly remember. I have harrowing tales of, of people fighting over that. We just could not wow. keep them in stock. Um, Unbelievable. I actually like Barbie fashion designer. I like the idea of, you know, we have to do something for girls and it's Barbie and fashion because that's what girls like, I guess. I, you know, nothing against it because I used to, you know, I don't know if you guys have any familiarity or know about like the paper doll, like flash games they used to have on the internet mm. long, long time ago. I think those games were like born out of Barbie fashion designer and I used to devote uh, an unholy amount of energy to those. So it's like the first like real character creator that you really got to like drill down into customizations with. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good game. Like, yeah, we should absolutely include those kinds of games in our, in our, in our recording of history. Um, computer space like you No, I have never heard about it, but it is a good idea to have like a representation of history in um, our hall of fame. But the thing that I want to talk about is the last of us. Cause I would really love to know what is in the water at naughty dogs PR department, because they somehow have managed to create this kind of outsized market share in people's minds about how good that game is. <laughs> it's a perfectly fine game. Don't get me wrong. I don't have the affection for it that a lot of people do. Like they go crazy about it, but I don't know, man. Like this kind of rubs up against like GQ uh, just released like the top 100 video games of all time where yeah. they asked a bunch of journalists and developers like, you know, what are your top 100 games or whatever? And The Last of Us was number two. And I don't think I agree with that at all. And the Hall of Fame, The Last of Us, uh, there are other games that do what The Last of Us does a lot better. One of them is Paper Mario and the Origami King. I, mm. <laughs> wow. I love that game. I think that it does a far better job at displaying depth and emotion and sadness and death, though, than The Last of Us does. Like The Last of Us is a misery simulator, and I just I can't. I I don't I don't get it. 
I want to know how they were able to make people love that game as good as they did because you got me. I, I love it. I, I'm I'm a little more on your page than on Christian's page, which Christian, I think them them's fighting words. Uh, Christian's a very huge uh, Last of Us fan. Did the uh, you know hosted the official Last of Us podcast, and uh, I'm a, I'm certain that you feel like it is a worthy addition to the to the Hall of Fame, Christian. Yes. Well, I think I think as we talk about these things often enough, uh, or when they come up, I think the more interesting thing to me is is kind of the hall of fame's mantra and the criteria they judge for what merits inclusion like you think about like the basketball or like sport hall of fame and it's like oh okay it is great players and here are the stats they usually run out where Mm. it's like eight championships uh four gold gloves 12 all-star games you know blah 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 and you're like oh okay that's why that person is in the hall of fame for something that feels a little more uh undefined uh in terms of like the video game hall of fame i think the idea of what merits inclusion there's always going to be more controversy than there is i think sometimes for sports some people might be like oh roger clemens yeah he doped but it was during the doping era they should let them in barry bonds blah 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 and that's kind of where the the discussions lie i think in the game space it's such a broad space like peggle or threes uh solitaire last of us smart you know like it it is so broad the idea that i think there's going to be general consensus around a lot of these picks uh is often going to be challenging i think an argument could easily be made for the last of us and i do Hmm. love that game and love what it brought to um video games and i think part of that is the cinematic storytelling the fully acted and i know uncharted did this as well but last of us felt like the completion of that vision that now naughty dog is still kind of iterating on but like this idea of cinematic storytelling with real actors performing all of these roles and we're going to tell this emotional story and also if you're talking about a hall of fame in terms of video game legacy uh, or what the industry has grown to or can become i think it is significant that it is the game that the show is adapted from for years, video game adaptations have toiled away as being mediocre, if not worse. And The Last of Us could be this game that sits in this museum that points to the creation of this show that I think is averaging 32 million viewers per episode, which is just outstanding and Mm -hmm. astonishing numbers for a show, especially in the age of, of too many choices. And so I think all of these games are great. Just, (laughs) and I think most games are great and you could make a argument for why they should be included and why others shouldn't. Um, I think it's a hard, a hard job and and I don't envy the people that have to do it. I'm uh, I'm just (laughs) checking out this GQ article for the first time. I heard a lot of people rumbling about it, but I hadn't actually taken the time to look at it. Uh, that should be my story of the week. So we yeah. suffer from that it, all suffer, day. it suffers from recency. In my it opinion. really does. Okay, it so does. Absolutely. The, in the top 20, there's only, what, two games that came out before the year 2000? Which is pretty remarkable. So we got uh, Breath of the Wild at number one. Last of Us, number two. Tetris, which Christian and I believe is objectively the greatest video game of all time. Uh, Bloodborne, Witcher 3. Mass Effect 2, Metal Gear Solid, Portal 2, Dark Souls, and Half-Life 2 are your top 10. That does feel like uh, 
very uh very much a very specific kind of game that it was in the running you know these kind of mm. big uh narrative uh triple a kinds of experiences i think tetris is really the only exception to that in the top 10 um and yeah recency bias i don't know ash what's your you said this you, you would have made this your story of the week what is your feedback about the GQ article in general. So I guess full disclosure, I did contribute to it. So I have a, I don't know, I don't know if you would count that as bias, but I will say that I think a lot of the reason why we're seeing the kinds of games that we're seeing in the top 10 is because the way that the video game journalism and video game industry works in general is that it's a passion-based industry and you cannot feed or uh, have a life on passion. Um, it results in a lot of people who get into it, who love it, aren't make, able to make a living and burn out after five years. So there's not a lot of institutional memory. I know that there are tons of people who have moved on from the video game industry that would have been able to bring a lot more depth to this list. Um, uh, Fahey, uh, one of my former coworkers from Kotaku who has passed away along uh, a, a while ago, who I dearly miss and dearly love, has was a video game elder in that he was maybe 40 instead of 25. And he <laughs> used to talk all the time about all these old Atari and ColecoVision games that he loved because he grew up playing video games in the 70s. And if he had written or had the opportunity to contribute to this, he absolutely would have been able to, you know, share his, his wisdom about these older games. And so the reason why we don't don't see those and they're not included because uh, we're, we're kids we don't we don't have that memory yeah. and the people who do are no longer there and the other thing is is like it's really hard to make a list a cohesive list when you're when you're basing your choices on all different kinds of things are these the mm -hmm. best video games because of their impact because of their personal impact because right. of their wider impact like you're working with six or seven different kinds of criteria so you're going to get a mismatchy list it, I, I don't know. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I will say that I'm very, very, very upset at the list because there are in a hundred games, none of them are Sonic. And that is a tragedy. That's that just should not be. That is immediately invalid. Sonic, just like Mario deserves his place in the hall of fame of video games and he should be included and that he's not invalid list. Even if I contributed to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're kind of talking to a couple of, real olds right now and at least uh, one you i'm 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 18 so i'm yeah, to be you're, here as you're an 18 year old fellow teens <laughs> um Phillips, i yeah. mean the idea that like i mean i i get it uh yakuza zero is on here at 72 and i haven't encountered pac-man yet mm. seems pretty important to have pac-man on any list of like there's no video game industry without pac-man <laughs> you know we're not playing video games right now without pac-man um so yeah, it 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 is. Uh, but again, part of the entire reason people write lists like this is to get these kinds of reactions, right? The whole argument is you can't rank art, you know, and it's all about the, you know, getting upset and and arguing your point and where's this one? Where's that one? How's why is this so low? Why is that so high? But it does seem to be. Uh, I think you make a spectacular point about the uh the reasons behind recency bias and the kinds of folks that are still uh working in this industry and and sourced for these kinds of art articles mm -hmm. uh ooh, ultima underworld made the list no other ultimas uh ultima underworld made the list at 95 <laughs> uh which you know uh i mean there's no uh starcraft and warcraft aren't on here i mean world of warcraft is well, uh, there's I no 
Not a single sports through, title, not a single uh, racing game, not a single. They're all of a certain kind. Um, it's, which were like the big, splashy, like AAA games of Narrative their time. Yeah. Like Papers, Please should be on there. Mm-hmm. Like just for its political commentary alone. What Remains of Edith Finch should probably be on there. It too. is on there. I, oh, I did good, see good. What Remains of Edith and, and Obra Dinn is on there. Um, so there are a few outliers, but um, for the most part, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but I, I think recency and art often do go hand in hand. And I think people might, listeners might be rolling their eyes when I say what I'm about to say, because I, I say things like this often because I believe in them. Um, you know, words matter. And this is greatest video games of all time. Not best, not most influential. Well, not, that, you know, it's, that was Ash's point too, is like define your terms, right? Because right. Like, are we talking right. about games? You know, she, she put it very well, you know, have an impact or what, what, right. what is the criteria exactly? Right. And so Pac-Man influential, sure. Greatest, clearly not, you know, to these to these uh, folks who made this list. So I think you yeah. kind of get into that that whole semantic argument. But as you were going but through then the list. And, but then you have Goldeneye on here, right? Right. That's right. going to be impactful and not be- That game doesn't hold up right now. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't belong on this list except that it was impactful. Mm-hmm. But it was impactful for a certain generation of people that seem to be the generation that is involved in this list, right? Not the generation, my generation, I was impacted by you know, obviously GoldenEye too, but I was already in college when GoldenEye came out, you know? So it's, um, it's just, I think very telling, uh, the things, and these things are hard. A uh, hundred slots is not a lot of slots to in- include all the things, but, uh, it does, you know, I think it does show its flaws. Well, I- I'm just proud of the person who pitched the story to the editor and got it approved, right? Because <laughs> before I got to a single game, do you know what I saw on the list? One, two, three. Ads? Four ads. Four <laughs> ads. Five ads before yeah. the games. Um, and lists like this exist, you know, IGN. Everybody does their share of these things, you know? Um, but I think <laughs> it's no like one will ever do this correctly. Game. What was that? Sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, no one will ever do this correctly. Right. That's like, true. Yes. That's true. Yes. yes. And that's kind of the point, right? Is, is yeah. that it's to generate the discussion and argue your point. And it's, it's fine. That's fine. It's not, you know, this isn't a historical record that's going to go down in the annals of time. Um, and that's how I feel about the Video Game Hall of Fame in many ways also. It's like, yeah, it's a smaller group of folks making those selections. But I think the same questions of criteria and how that changes. And I, I think it's interesting fodder for debate at some mm-hmm. point, And then at some point it stops being interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think I, I'm more inclined to agree with Ash on the last of us. Uh, I mean, I think the game is, is a, a great game in a, in a lot of ways. I think it's, you know, amazing and groundbreaking in a lot of ways, but it's also, you know, <laughs> there's a thing about, uh sports team sports leagues if you're going to get into the hall of fame you have to be out of the league for x number of years hmm. and i feel like that might have to be the you know i i know last of us is not a super recent game but it does feel like you know the game from 1971 the we sports the the barbie game from 1996 i do think those are a little more we have the the benefit of of time to look back on and really uh put them in the hall of fame and maybe uh maybe last of us needs to bake a little longer in our minds and our culture i like that idea i like 
that idea a lot. We should actually take that approach when we do like the best video games of all time. Like you, you have a cutoff, like you can't do anything before 2010, I guess. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. You want to make your list. Yeah, be interesting. Um, all right. Well, I was also going to talk about the Olympics, but you know, we don't need, we don't need to pack, pack all the stories in. And also, we got... The Last of Us deserves that. Go ahead. What? No. Sorry. I know. I know. I, I, know. Just I, know to, I needed to. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm sure I'll, I'll get a lot of angry emails. I, okay. I mean, Ellie okay. is over my shoulder pointing an arrow at me. So I got to be, <laughs> I can't. She's ruthless. You know, she's going to let that thing fly. Uh, we got some Zeldas. There's a bunch of Zeldas on that list of a top 100. I'll tell you that. Lots of Zeldas. Lots of Zeldas in there. And lots of Final Fantasies. Um, and we got a Zelda to talk about. So let's get to it. But first, I want to thank our sponsor which is Squarespace. Squarespace. Oh my goodness. Do I like Squarespace? Yes. You've heard me talk about them? Of course you have. Why? Because I've talked about them for 15 years. I could do a top 100 of Squarespace ads I've done. They're all, they're all, and you know, they're all top 100 in my heart. But uh, it is because I genuinely, I genuinely use Squarespace. JeffCanada.com was made with Squarespace. I genuinely recommend it to friends and family, anytime you need a website, Squarespace, place to go. But Squarespace is also the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your time, because Squarespace now has a suite of tools that are totally sweet. Uh, you, can, uh, you can monetize your content easily, monetize your expertise easily, in ways that fit your brand. With their member areas, you can unlock new revenue streams for your business and free up your time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And you can build those videos right there in Squarespace's Video Studio app, which helps you make and, and share engaging videos that tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. It's all baked in. It's so easy to use. You can make an online store to sell anything, a digital product, a physical product, drag and drop, turn your site into a, uh, your website into a store easily, easily. Do it yourself. Don't hire a web designer. You can do it yourself at squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me because that's where you go to get yourself a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your site, use our offer code, which is also Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. It really is the easiest, best place to build a website, buy a domain. They have a great front end for buying domain names with tons of extensions and suggestions if your extension is taken. It's so slick. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for 10% off and that promo code Jeff sent me at checkout. All right, it is time for the playlist. And ladies and gentlemen, it's no surprise that on all of our playlists is the biggest release of the week, maybe one of the biggest releases, oh, undeniably one of the biggest releases of the year, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, Christian mentioned at the top of the show, it is Mother's Day weekend for us. Uh, we are recording the show a few days early. And that means that Christian and I have barely scratched the surface of this massive game. But we are so delighted to have Ash Paris Parish with us because you, as we mentioned, have put in over 100 hours, have published your review on The Verge. 
So um, tell us what your thoughts, I'm sure there are many, but what are your thoughts about Tears of the Kingdom? Uh, they did Zelda dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it coming out strong. So like when we first saw like the first trailer for Tears of the Kingdom, it was like Zelda. She had like a new business bob where it's like, okay, I came here to get stuff done, right? She's taking point in this dark cavern with like a torch while like her silent emotional support himbo was in the back, like, you know, watching her rear or whatever. And it, it instilled in us these ideas like, oh, yes, finally, Zelda will get to fight or she'll take some kind of more active role than what she was in breath of the wild where you know she she had just disappeared for most of the game right before appearing at the end so and then you get to play the game and it is a really 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 big letdown that she actually you know she's important to the story she moves the plot but like she takes no real active role in the developments of the game which is really heartbreaking because she's such a great character i think she means more to people than link i mean her name is the one on the outside of the building right it has been for 30 years right and for the most part outside of maybe you had wind waker you had ocarina of time when she was running around a chic and you've got the 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 what is it the dynasty warrior spinoff where you actually do get to fight as zelda mm -hmm. and so it's there, right? Like the opportunity for her to take a more active role is there and they just don't do that. I'm not going to get into spoilers about what they do do with her and you'll have to just wait and read about that on The Verge later because the blog is coming. I am writing a strongly worded article to Mr. Alnuma about like, come on, man. I understand that like she is someone that you have to save and she has all this power or whatever, but the way that they did her specifically is just so upsetting to me when she has so much more potential. I just, man, it hurts. It hurts. I love that perspective. And I, I having only played what, like two or three hours at this point, I mean, literally we're recording uh, Friday morning. It came out last night at midnight. Uh, Christian and I did not get early copies. We purchased the game at midnight last night uh, so you know we're we're two three hours in. Christian, is that fair? Two three four maybe. I'm about I'm five and oh, less you always got to do one it. more than whatever I whatever I said. You would have just said one more. No, I was waiting for five. You never uh -huh, got there. Hey, uh -huh. as someone who's had Wait, five a lot hours of, in. No, Jeff, six. I did six last night. I stayed of, up until five o'clock in the morning. Uh, no, I got up at five. I stayed up until mm -hmm. one, and then I got up at five. Uh, mm -hmm. I've rolled a lot of credits recently. I have not rolled i have not left my home planet uh so to speak in uh tears of the kingdom i'm yeah, still yeah, very much on the yeah. starter island right um it's, big, so but it's think, big there's a lot to do there yes my five hours is clearly that speedrunner's first five minutes you know like, uh, <laughs> folks yeah. folks could be further than me you could certainly be further than me in less time like i am very much homer seeing a squirrel run by <laughs> in, the, in this uh tutorial island and, and and just to contextualize a little bit like I am super impressed by how this game starts uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the, the, the thematic opening is, I think, really well done. Uh, and I think this starter island, which I only know is a starter island because I've, I've, I've been to this restaurant before. You know, <laughs> like I, I know I know what I'm getting myself into with this game to some extent. But my goodness, this this starting location they go hard and fast with abilities and mechanics and all the things you can do. And like, here's a little thing you can do. And it's like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Isn't it? That's nothing. Idiot. Well, like I, do think, it's, it's I do think, I do think it's telling, it's telling that the, 
the design philosophy of this game is very different than the tradition of of Zelda. And obviously, you know, it's it's much more a sequel to Breath of the Wild. But, you know, traditionally in Zelda, you are doled out new abilities periodically, right? You are you do a temple and then you get a new thing and now you can now you got weighted shoes and you, you're going to take those shoes in the new temple and see how they work. And, and that unlocks uh, things in the world that you've been passing years, passing by and unable to use. And and it is this very uh, paced experience of new stuff every so often. And I think having just played Jedi, Jedi Survivor, that that kind of template is still being used by a lot of games to this day. It's we're going to dole out stuff over time and even 10, 15, 20 hours in, you're going to get a new ability. You're going to get a new thing that you can do. And, and it does seem, and, you know, Ash, you can correct us if we're wrong, but it does seem like everything is much more front-weighted here where they want to give you all of, the, all of those tools or at least the majority of those tools as early as possible so you can start playing in this sandbox and coming up with these inventive ways to deal with every problem very, very quickly. Is that accurate? So, yes, and... A little bit no. So to your point about how Zelda used to like drip feed you things like, you know, after a certain amount of time you get the hook shot or the, right. the metal shoes or whatever. They do do that a little bit in Tears of the Kingdom. It is, and it is based in the the new dungeons that you get to um explore. And it's based around like the friends the friends that we made along the way. Um <laughs> you, you get these every time you complete a dungeon, you get a new companion. Um the the sages, so like your sage of water, your sage of wind your your sage of fire um and you get to have these like spectral avatars of them follow you around and they can do special powers for you so uh the first temple in the game that you should do first is the the wind temple and once you defeat the wind temple you get a companion that will like blow wind behind you like a gust of wind so it'll help you like when you're you're riding around your paraglider it'll get you to places faster while you're in the middle of the air or it'll blow away sand when you're in like the gerudo desert or whatever or something like that so you have these kinds of powers, but they're not like, it's not like a Metroidvania where now that you have this wind power, you can unlock something else that you weren't able to do if you didn't have it. It's not like that. So it's not as strong as those items were before, but it does kind of, I guess, count. Uh, yeah, they come in handy for the most part, but they're really honestly not all that powerful. It is nice that like essentially by the end of the game, you get to run around with like a full party, but they don't really, they don't talk to you because they're just ghosts and their powers, no, they're not really that combat. They're not that powerful. Like mm -hmm. they can take out a, a mob of like bokoblins in like one hit or whatever. So they're useful to have, but they're not really that strong. So you're not going to rely on them, but yeah, that I mean that's what you've got. So huh. I think that's interesting, and it's not something I was aware of. I I do think that uh, you know central to this game, and I'll say right up front, the audience knows this. Uh, I was not the biggest fan of of Breath of the Wild. It was not that my was favorite I. game. I you know I I played a fair amount of it, but it didn't suck me in. I I found a lot of the the game to be slow and tedious. Mm, um, big and. I'm experiencing that with this game as well, unfortunately. Um, but, and we'll get into that in a second, but um, it does seem to me, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem to me that Breath of the Wild, you know, had these emergent gameplay elements, these these physics things that you could do, and they took great advantage of it. But this game seems to have really put that front and center. And so much of the experience of this game, at least early on for me, is about 
the building, using the powers, the combination of different things that you can do in sort of making your own ways to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how you, how well you think that plays over the course of a hundred hours of the game. I am like you didn't really like breath of the wild that much. I understand it objectively and I appreciate it objectively for what it is and what it meant to the switch and to gaming as a whole. But like, it wasn't personally for me. Um, I like tears of the kingdom way, way more because the powers are better and I think the way that the game presents problems to you, it gives you more of an opportunity to use your powers to find or to, to solve those problems. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, I felt like that you had to go search for something to do. But throughout like Breath of the or Tears of the Kingdom, like you you run in, for example, you run into this guy who really, really, really likes his job. And to show his dedication, he likes to go around Hyrule and proselytize about his great boss with this sign. But every time he has a new sign, it's constructed in some really poor way that it falls over. So your job is to help him keep the sign up. So you have to use your powers or whatever to, to help him prop up the sign. And it's different every time and i think it's it's something it's a really neat way to you know remind you like hey like we are presenting you with these things it's not something that you have to go find or seek out or whatever you can just be in the normal course of your day and you'll just see him he's everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and i think that kind of presenting the problem to you versus trying to make you go figure something out on your own is a lot better and a more focused i guess experience in tears of the kingdom versus breath of the wild because i don't particularly like the openness of open worlds because I'm a kind of person that requires a little bit more structure. And I think that, that just, just, it's not structured. It's still free and open, but there's just enough structure to keep me interested, to, to keep me engaged and not have me fall off the way that I fell off breath of the wild. I think that's well said. I, you know, Christian, I'm curious uh, what your early experience is. We, you know, we're in this weird position where, Likely, a lot of the people listening to this when the show finally comes out will have played the game more than we have. <laughs> but, but early on, what is your experience with the powers and and their functionality? Well, in my first six hours, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> is like I sped run that baby. By the time we get it. to the end of the podcast, he will have played for twenty hours. <laughs> exactly. I'm just gonna add so add the hour every time I bring it up. Um, I'm kind of surprised, Jeff, to hear you say that the the beginning of the game, you're kind of feeling how you felt about Breath of the Wild. I think that this game starts really strong. Again, I am very much still in the introduction, home, figure things out before the game fully unlocks. So like the OCD person in me, or the anxious person, I guess is a better word. I'm like very nervous about when the game just says, you know, here's the full buffet, mm -hmm. uh, yep. go for it. I am, I am getting a little anxious about that because I think I might feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. in the way that I often felt in Breath of the Wild. But where I am right now in the Sky Kingdom, I am loving. I, I think the introduction is really smart. I think the way they're doling out new powers is happening at, at a brisk pace that I find enjoyable. I think the experimentation that I've been able to do with them to solve some of these smaller puzzles or they almost feel like physics riddles more so than like an actual yeah. puzzle per mm -hmm. se. Um, I'm finding really enjoyable. And I think as I was listening to Ash talk about the sign holding guy, as I've uh, reflected as on mine, and I am wearing my Wind Waker Link t-shirt today, as I've reflected on my Nintendo fandom, and I am a big Nintendo fan. I mentioned Jeff before he started recording 
that I'm also replaying Metroid Samus Returns on my 3DS right now as well. And I think in reflecting on that, why Metroid is often, if not always, my favorite mainline Nintendo franchise is that Metroid almost always has a certain level of seriousness to it. At no point in Samus's adventure does she encounter a space pirate who's flossing. And, you know, and it's <laughs> like, like kind of some yeah. funny, sticky thing. And that has been a hallmark of the Zelda franchise for decades now. I mean, it didn't launch with that per se in, in the very first one, but Wind Waker I love, and it definitely has its moments of that tingle is all of that embodied into one character. And there's always been this little kind of cutesy goofiness, there's a little goofiness, yeah, goofiness mm-hmm. to it. And that oftentimes will pull me out. As I've talked about on this show, my fallout problem of save the world, but first go run a restaurant and mm-hmm. stop Hyrule from being overrun by this big bad, but also this guy's sign is bad. Also, you've apparently lived here your whole life, but you don't know anything about it. <laughs> We're like, I get that maybe you lived in a little village, but that other village isn't that far. Like, <laughs> so I, I have like issues with the suspending your disbelief. You have issues with suspending your disbelief, the narrative structure. <laughs> yeah. I can suspend my disbelief. Fine. Like I pretend that you don't consider me your best friend. Like I'm Aww. willing to go with a bit, Jeff, like I can suspend my disbelief, <laughs> but I think Zelda for me, that narrative structure often rubs me the wrong way. All of that, all of that baggage said the introduction to tears of the kingdom doesn't have any of that for me. I think it's really sharp. It's really smart. It uh, brings about these themes of loss and the idea of continuing to toil away at something after the reason for why you're doing it no longer exists. And I feel like that really hit home for me when I play video games about like, why am I still doing this thing? And so I I am in love uh, with my first seven hours of the game. Um, (laughs) But I am nervous for what happens when the full game opens up. But so far, this would have been one of my favorite gaming experiences of the year. Like this opening eight hours has been incredible. Well, I hate being Mr. Negative, and I don't intend to. And again, I will say, I am by no means stopping playing, and I am by no means, I, I by no means have played enough to really have formed a, a fair opinion of this experience because it is so big and I have also not left the starting sky Island. Um, but I will say that I find the, I, I think it's extremely powerful, all of the sticking stuff together and building things. And it, there is something truly magical about putting a hook on a board and putting it on a rail and jumping on that board and sliding down the rail on the hook board you just made. That's cool. That's objectively cool. I love that because that was like the first like, oh, wow moment for me. And as more people are getting on their hand, their hands on the game, they're saying the same thing. And I don't know what it is about that specific, like that first time that you do that. It is so simple. Like it, like the, the, it's not a clever solution to anything. It is like very obviously Nintendo throughout the game, not just on the tutorial Island, but throughout the game, it'll put these things in front of you like this is the best way to do this like you know you you know whatever and it's just like so obvious and so simple but it is so it is done so well that it feels like magic even though there is absolutely nothing magical about it and the the thing that i really enjoy about this game and i said this in my review is that nintendo they give you all these devices and all these like 
pieces of equipment that you can use to put together. Like we want you to make a car to get from point A to point B. But if you need to get from point A to point B and you don't want to make a car, you want to make a submarine. I don't know if you can make a submarine. I'm just using this as an example. You can do that too. And the game will reward you for it. And that is a really, really good feeling. Like yeah. my boss at The Verge was like, the, the game gives you the opportunity to do things that only make sense to you. Like it, it just doesn't line. make sense. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it only makes sense to you. And that is so empowering. And that kind of overwrites like any kind of anxiety that I might have also had about I don't know what to do there's so much to do I'm just going to do the main story and finish like I loved all of the you know over engineered things that I had to do to to figure out a shrine or whatever like I'm not the mo I'm not a patient person at all especially when it comes to video games especially when it comes to video <laughs> games that I have to do for a review and I'm sitting here in the shrine that I absolutely don't need that I don't I don't have to finish at all I can just teleport out and go somewhere else but I spent an hour trying to figure out this puzzle that I I did it over and over again because I kept failing and I kept getting it wrong. And I'm like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to find out what to do. And I finally solved it through my, like I said, over-engineered solution. <laughs> and then like an hour later, the game showed me like, this is how you were supposed to do it, you dummy. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I feel yeah. good that I was able to figure it out on my own the way that, you know, I wanted to do it and not the way Nintendo wanted me to do it. And that's powerful. That's a good feeling. It It really is a an offshoot of the minecraft generation right yeah that a video game isn't there for you to solve the equation a plus b equals c the the video game there is to give you all the a's and all the b's and all the c's and all the d's and e's and f's that you could do and you cobble them together however you please in in and do what you want to do with it and and that is really a fundamental paradigm shift in the mm -hmm. expectations of what video games are about. And I think no and a Zelda game specifically. What's that? Zelda games, yes, exactly. Because you see the progression in that in that series. And I, you know, I think that's amazing, truly. And I think, you know, it's it's awesome even early on where, you know, in, in previous Zelda games, you push the block in the correct place mm -hmm. and it goes bing, boo, 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 bing. And you're like, oh, I did it right. I solved the puzzle. Here. You just get to a place. You just cross the chasm and it goes, mm -hmm. beep, boop, 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 bing. it's like, it doesn't care how you crossed the chasm. It, you just got there. And that's the solution to the puzzle. The solution is you arrived. You know, we don't care. You didn't have to push the block correctly. You don't even have to use the block. Use whatever yeah, you congratulations. want. Congratulations. You ate every piece of stamina giving food and you <laughs> climbed for 20 minutes. Yeah. Good, wait, but the point you did is, it. you that did. Works. And I think that yeah. is a really powerful and empowering mm -hmm. thing to do to gamers now having said all those positive things which i think are not to be minimized i the the things i don't like are and maybe this changes over 100 hours maybe this is growing pains and learning the systems but i feel like i'm fighting the ui constantly oh, and i do you mean control wise or like, what do you mean? When I am, when I am uh, trying to construct my piece of engineering, I feel like I am, uh, it, it takes way longer than I want it to take in any given time. And I get very impatient. You know, you mentioned patience and, and maybe I'm, I could work on that personally, but I get very impatient and I end up not wanting to, I'll put mm -hmm. the thing on and like, try it, smack the 
fan and it doesn't do what I want. I'm like, ah, I got to waggle the thing to shake off the thing and reposition <laughs> it. And it it is I, when I'm literally just manipulating the items in 3D space and trying to get the exact right angle to where it's going to be. I think the game does an amazing job visually of communicating like with that goo, like what's going to stick to what, where it's going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is communicated very well. It's just the, you know, manipulating the Z axis of something and, and rotating it just so and getting it to stick in just the right place. And then I hop on the thing and my fan pushes me sideways. And I'm like, I didn't want to go sideways. I wanted to go forward. You know, that all of those, it just feels like it takes forever. And I am, you know, you don't know this about me, Ash, but I am a big proponent of uh, VR as a technology. I want to just reach into the world and pick it up mm-hmm. with my hand and put it where I want. And we have the technology to do that. I, I don't like the fact that I'm like using this inefficient, dumb couple of sticks mm-hmm. and buttons to try to tell it to move forward in 3D space and rotate just so. Like, I want I want a video game where I can just grab the thing and put it where I want and not and do it completely naturalistically. And it feels very frustrating to me so far. Okay, let me tell you a very, I know I've been talking a lot, but I'm going to tell you one more really quick uh, anecdote. And again, I have played this game a lot less than almost everybody listening to this at this point, probably. But I, I, you know, I got to the, uh, I got to the first snowy mountain in your Mm -hmm. starting area. uh, Ate my, uh, cooked up my spicy peppers and uh, ate my spicy pepper mixture and have my tick, 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 tick of like, you're about to die if you don't, your spicy pepper heat you know, prevention or heat, cold prevention is wears out. So there's a, a little anxiety in me of like that is ticking down and it doesn't stop ticking down when you're in the I'm making stuff menu. It just keeps ticking down, even though you're like, I'm trying to manipulate the stupid thing and I'm, I'm about to get cold damage. And I see the shrine at the top of the icy slick wall and I go, hey, is this game saying to me that there is a way up there that I will find like in a normal video game? Or do I need to construct a thing that will send me up there? The dude just gave me some pocket fans. So what I did was I spent my precious spicy pepper time to try to construct a fan device that will levitate me up to where I need to get uh, past the uh, slick, icy walls that I can't climb. And I spent uh, tons of time just trying to make this thing and not it's not working and it's not happening and it's collapsing and it won't lift me. And I and, and tick, 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 tick. And it's none of that is a pleasant experience for me. It is all frustrating and it, the iterating and not getting it right and it's it flopping and landing weird and me having to pick it up again and I'm hitting the wrong button and, and I, it's not rotating just how I want. All of that feels tedious and it feels like I'm not playing. It feels like I'm at work. I know the exact um, thing that you were talking about. I remember trying to figure that out uh, explicitly because I had the same frustrations as you did. I'm you can we can talk after if you want me to share with you how to do that but if you figure it out yourself you're probably going to be really mad because the there is like because you're so limited in what you could do and what you have at your disposal at that point there is like one solution to that and it's really simple and it's really dumb and you're going to be mad when you figure it out <laughs> good i can't wait to feel dumb but 
tell me if that feeling goes away. Like, do you, do you simply have more options or more tools at your disposal, or do you just get more comfortable with the UI? Like what, what is your experience with that? It's both. Um, you, the game is still teaching you um, its limitations. So the ability to like, you say you want to reach in and just manipulate it the way that you want to manipulate it. There are no fine motor controls in this. So yeah, you're, you're able to manipulate objects in like a, on a 3d space, but there's only so much you can tilt something and so much you can move something. It's, it's in set blocks and it's not like fine, finite. So you have to learn that. And once you learn that it gets, you are able to understand better what it is that you can and cannot do. At the same time, you will also have um, more tools at your disposal for what you can use to to figure something out. Like later on, you'll have the ability to carry Zonai devices with you and like little gotcha bubbles that you can get from actual gotcha machines that are littered throughout the world. A very immersive breaking, but you know, who knows? Who cares? Um, that the combination of figuring, learning the limitations of the game while having that bigger toolkit will make those problems virtually not disappear, but they will make them way less than what they are. I can say that confidently. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I I look forward to that. And again, you know, I'm very early on. I'm just, it feels, well, part of the, the complaint I had about Breath of the Wild is I felt like I was, you know, with the degrading of the weapons and all that stuff, I felt like I was in menus way more than I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game, it's even more than that. There's like, you know, and, and if you want to add an item to your weapon, which is a really cool idea, like so neat you better hope that that item that you want to add to your weapon is already lying around or else you're going to have to go in your inventory, drop the item, then select the weapon you want, then get in your, you know, your fusing menu. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's all so many steps and it so is, much menus. Yes, it is. Um, Do not, there will be a moment where you're going to have to do that probably during a boss fight. Like, good luck. It's really hard. Um, That's why I recommend always have like a couple of sword bolder things in your inventory so you can break stuff mm. and just keep keep your weapons on tap ready to go uh you know if you've got one that breaks have a backup because it is it is a pain in the butt to to make new weapons that's not easy at all and that's unfortunately something that does not get better also ranged combat is your friend just mm. just ranged combat is so much better and it's so much easier to fuse things to arrows than it is to make a fused weapon and i think the arrows offer like way more versatility because you can like attach choo-choo jellies to them and they have like these elemental effects that are really cool and they are actually really powerful so yeah range combat a little bit better yeah it's pretty slick how you just you draw your bow and then push one button and then you're in the menu of what's attached to your to your arrow that's that's very slick and i thought that was very well designed yeah Um, christian any response to any, any of the nonsense I've been babbling? No, I, I, I hear you. Um, I, you know, I have not in my nine hours with the game. I got to stop doing that bit, but I can't. Um, I have not got to a moment of, of, of a boss battle, and I could see how that would be frustrating. Um, Jeff, I also know you well enough to know that you don't like uh, timers in games almost ever. And right. whether it's a actual number flashing or like in this case, it's both your number flashing and the protection wearing off. Um, uh, Alex Solman and I, we talked about a little bit last week and a little bit on some of the season two episodes of feeling this, that we're making talk about the idea of putting those intentional stressors in games and how they can serve a function, but also they won't be for everyone, but that is part of the design philosophy of the game. And I think for tears of the kingdom, 
that is part of the design philosophy are those stressful moments of getting things together or they can be, I guess, cause they don't have to be as Ash mentioned, you can prepare all that stuff before you go into it. Um, and, and kind of oftentimes be ready, be ready to go. I think for the stuff that I've done so far, I, I kind of like the menus a little bit. I, it, it feels tactile in a way. I've talked about driving a manual transition car. I like using all four of my limbs when I'm on a racetrack. I enjoy that. And so while it is cumbersome, I, I find it kind of enjoyable that like you use all the buttons on the controller and they, they're different things at different times. It's like hit R. Now I got to hit, okay, now I'm hitting R. Now I hit R2 and now I hit L2 and now I do this. And when I'm in, when I'm on the ground, dash is B. But when I'm in the water, dash is X. I don't know why it's changed. <laughs> what, what is jump on ground is dash in water. And I was like, oh, I, must, I, I should switch those in the menus. No, it switches them. So like there's, it, it I feel like it has to be intentional. Like I'm using my pro controller and it's like, there's this little, you know, concert you're playing Mm -hmm. with all of your fingers doing things. And I have not had it in a stressful situation yet where that clock is ticking or a boss is about to whack me. I'm trying to pull it off. So, so far I've enjoyed it because it makes me feel smart, I guess is the dumbest way I can put it. Like, I feel like I'm, I finally played that song on the piano that my teacher has been trying to get me to put together for four weeks. And I finally did it. Um, So I I kind of like how it uses all of that versus some games. I believe it was one of the more recent Lego games where it was kind of just one button. Did it like you turned it or whatever, but then you like push buttons like I find that less satisfying. So there's that mix, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this isn't full VR. I'm not opening my coat to pull the thing out to do the thing, but I like that I'm using all of my, all of my digits to get things done. Fair enough. Uh, I'll also say, and again, I'm a spoiled brat. I'm a spoiled, spoiled little boy, but the, the frame rate does bother me. It does. It, it, I'm sorry. It does. It, it's, it's hard because I just came from playing, you know, Jedi survivor on my PC and it looks really good. And it's in this amazing immersive world and it, it's smooth and it's, and, 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 you know, the Tears of the Kingdom is not ugly by any stretch. It is beautifully art art directed, and I've only seen a small fraction of the world. It's you know the the uh, starting island is very much one look for the most part. Um, but man, it, the frame rate does bother me now. I've just gotten to the age and <laughs> the experience level where I I want you know we, we're in this age where. We have these settings now on our consoles where we can have a higher frame rate. And it it just, it bums me out that a game of this caliber with this much prestige and, and and you know, ingenuity. And, and it, it is a top tier release and it's just suffering on hardware that unfortunately can't make it look smooth. That um, I'm, I'm sad to say that that problem when you get to a certain area will get worse. Um, I nothing you can do about it it's it's going to get worse and there will be times where it will chug if especially if you get into a big fight like if you're at a uh like a fort with a bunch of bokoblins and there are a bunch of enemies on the screen yeah the things are going to get rough um i will say like i'm not that person at all and my experience playing just the 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 frame rate issues and like the chugging and stuff and the pop-ins and whatnot was like so tertiary to like the other experiences that were going on that they just were you know silent noise it didn't yeah easily ignorable for you yeah yeah Yeah, i think that's fair and and i i you know 
it's a very minor nit and one again i feel spoiled by other experiences that i've had recently uh and you know dlss3 for example on pc but it's hard for me to ignore it at this point christian i, will, I think it's oh, go oh ahead. sorry go sorry. ahead oh, i was gonna say like i will say like one thing that the Tears of the Kingdom does really well graphically is that it's very good at building anticipation and conveying weight. So uh, when you get to uh, back to, to to Hyrule proper and you're like on the ground, there's a there's the these Skyview towers that you use to like open up the map, and they have these like really weird, definitely not OSHA uh, certified ways to do that, where they just basically launch Link up in the air like a cannon, and you follow him up, and he you fall, you know how you're on a, a roller coaster, you go up and up and up, and then there's that pause right before you go down it they convey that very well giving link this like really good sense of weight and another like anticipatory thing that it that it that the game does is like when you're using the recall ability and there's this moment where like you snap things back into place and things start moving a long time like it should there's that moment when you snap where you're like you're holding your breath waiting like okay did this contraption that i built and all this thing that i set up is it getting ready to work i'm getting ready to hit the button what's going to happen i can't wait to see it and then it that snap moment is really, really, really well done for a game that's basically playing on a potato. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. Uh, I love it. I I was gonna say, I think it's art directed and designed very well for its limitations. I have not got into those huge fights yet where it's going to, you know, really chug. I've heard it was even worse before they put a patch out. And so hopefully it continues to be a stable 30 as best that it can for most of the game for most folks. Um, and this is maybe where I'm a hypocrite, but I think the frame rate in the game bothers me far less than playing Burning Shores in um, what's it, not fidelity mode. Like I could not play that game in the 30 frames per. I mean, yes, I could. I mm-hmm. refused to play that game in the 30 frames per second mode. It seems sluggish. It seems slow. Everything about it just felt like Aloy was in molasses, and I it was not a good experience for me and i put it into performance and it was like this is how this game is supposed to play everything was firing at all cylinders my character was moving i was reacting in time my reaction time was right for the combat encounters i wanted to do and in tears of the kingdom i don't know if i am just a hypocrite or i've set my expectations you know down to stun um but like disguises its technical limitations i think in the way that it is designed the game Mm. is doing a whole lot with very little and so in early in the shrines uh i don't know if all of them but the ones i've encountered in my first 10 hours with the game when you complete them you know there's like an unlock thing that happens and it's Mm -hmm. like these stones move and this thing happens and this thing happens and and i think if you're objectively watching i think there are probably four pieces of geometry in the world that move but they the the graphical style and the art direction and the music and everything that goes with it sells that so well that that's all i need and it is breathtaking like i I truly think it is beautiful up there with some of the most beautiful games i've played whereas if that were to happen in like uncharted lost legacy for example or something like that i would see the Swiss clock, you know, I would see every little thing turning and moving or to use horizon again, like every field is full of flowers and it's incredible. And there's dust and there's pollen and tears of the kingdom. It's like, there's a flower over there and it's only there. Cause I can pick it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. that is all that's going on. 
but I think it really works. I, I don't think they tried to make a game that couldn't be supported on the potato in which it's running. And I think that's a testament to the designers playing within their limitations. There's a famous old quote, you know, from Nintendo about you designing down, uh, which I am now poorly paraphrasing, but I think it's, it's smart and it shows their expertise to design in a way that isn't relying on fidelity to sell the moment. And I think tears of the kingdom continues that legacy of um, doing a lot with a little and it so far is blowing me away. Well, I mean, there are other games to talk about, and we will certainly talk more about Tears of the Kingdom in subsequent weeks. But uh, Ash, no, I, I just finished it, actually. Wow. Yeah. Well, was <laughs> well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ash, I'm curious if there's any, I mean, you have an entire article on The Verge that I think folks should definitely seek out and more to come, it sounds like. Your blog will uh, dig in deeper as well. And there's there's lots in there that's really, really, I think, well articulated about the game. But I'm wondering if there's any other um, perspective from from having put in so much more time than we have that you can share with the audience. Does the game feel too big? Uh, is the, or is there are there any other perspectives of of how much time you've put in that you can share with us? Oh, I I'll say that I have spent one hundred hours in this game. I have unlocked all of. I've uncovered all of Hyrule. I have un, like pretty much unlocked every fast travel part in the Sky Islands, and there are still parts of this game that other people have talked about that in their reviews and I have purposely omitted it. And I don't know if I want to even mention it now because I really enjoyed how this is something that you have never seen in any of the promotional materials for the game at all. Like this is, there's a completely, what if there's a third world, there's a completely different third area that no one has seen yet. That is not in any of the promotional materials that when you find it and when you get to explore it is like, Oh, okay. That's wow. Wasn't expecting that. What a nice surprise. And for all of the time that I've put in the game, I've barely scratched the surface with that world. So there is, it is, it's big. It's big y'all. I'm sorry. Like it's big. So you won't lack for things to do. Um, and then, and, and even though it is big, it doesn't feel like it's overwhelming because of the way that, you know, there are things that you can do each time you get to a new area that kind of break it down digestible digestibly to you so like when you go from the sky islands to hyrule on the ground and you're finally let go and i will give you a tip like this is this is a free tip you are not done with the tutorial once you get to hyrule <laughs> there will be a couple of quests that you should do um when you get down there um to, to make sure that you are finished before you go screw off somewhere else so do that when you get the camera um, the camera will be on your power wheel, the same as like Ultra Hand and all that. That's when you know that you will be done. Um, there's more to it than that. There's also a power, um, I think it's called auto build, where you can, you know, it, it saves the things that you have built before and will call them up and then will automatically build them for you at a cost, at a significant cost. And I don't really use it that much because it's very expensive. Uh. Um, that's when you know that you're done. And then you can go, you know, screw off. Um, you once you get to a new area, the things that you can do is like, okay, I'm here. I don't know what to do. So let me start by uncovering the map. And then when you are in the process of uncovering the map, you're like, oh, there's a shrine there. Let me mark that. That looks interesting. Let me mark that. And then you kind of build your own itinerary, I guess, to make that big world where you may not know what to do or where to go. It, it makes it that much more digestible for you. So, you know, don't worry about that so much. It is big and it can feel overwhelming. 
But for a person who really struggles with open world games, I think the way that it presents information to you makes it really digestible such that it doesn't get overwhelming. Well said. I you. It's been so awesome having you on this episode because you have uh, uh, spoken so articulately about uh, so many of the things I've been curious about with the game and uh, having put that time in. It's really just awesome having you as a resource for me and for our listeners. So just so glad to have you here. Thank um, you. I, I just have one other question, though. Sure. Ash, where did you find that 100 hours? Is that 100 <laughs> yeah, hours yeah, um, that's a good under question. your pillow? Was <laughs> it, uh... I'm looking I, for that myself. I have no idea how I did this because I was working with the same two weeks as everybody else and all different kinds of obligations. And I, I don't know. Thankfully, you know, my husband kept me fed and watered and there you, you know, go. That's put all me you on need. the hamster wheel. power you unlocked. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is not the only game that is on your playlist, though. I, I, there's another massive release that's coming just around the corner because I guess, you know, it can't stop. Summertime can't stop the massive releases. Can't um, stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Tell me what else you've been playing. So, um, you know, some for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's because the Blizzard likes doing what it does, but there is a new, um, there's a third surprise beta for Diablo 4 that is starting this weekend. Um, they want you, they want everybody to, to log on to stress the servers out ahead of launch on like June 6th, which is in not that much time from now. So no, yeah, I'm right. um, also playing that. So that's fun. And also I like to have like a game that I can wind down with uh, that doesn't really involve a lot of, I don't know, bells and whistles and moving parts and things like that. So I really, really enjoy, and people are going to get mad at me when I say this, Mario Cross. I know that the people will pronounce it Picross because it's picture and crossword. I don't care. I call it Picross. That's what I do. Come at me, bro. I don't care. But <laughs> yeah, I like. I, like pie? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. It, it reminds me of Pi, like three point one four. Oh, that's there you go. How okay, I, I read like it. That. So I call it Picross, and um, it's on the if you have Nintendo Switch Online, it's like one of the games that they have on N- Nintendo Switch Online, and I really, really enjoy playing Mario Picross. Specific, I don't like playing any of the modern Picross games because there's something tactile about Mario because you're like working with like a hammer and a chisel to um, you know undo the blocks and that's way more satisfying than just the little blip bloops that you do with the modern ones so i i've been going through that and that's my my wind down at the end of the night game it's really fun that's awesome uh i love i love that you have to wind down from i mean obviously from tears of the kingdom and, and diablo <laughs> that yeah. makes sense that makes it are you enjoying diablo 4 so far i mean is it is it are you anticipating the release the full release it's not my kind of game. I didn't grow up with that game either because uh, I didn't grow up with the Zelda franchise at all. But I I enjoy it. And it's on, one of the only games me and my husband can play together because he loves, he, lo- he on the other hand, you know, grew up with the game and, and really loves them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I like... I like the world. I like the lore and the aesthetic of the game. Not so much. I'm not like the person who likes to dungeon crawl and, you know, loot and make the numbers go up. Not not really that kind of person. So that aspect doesn't appeal to me, but I, I like everything else about it. So I, I'm enjoying it. Too many games, Christian. Too many games. Uh, in fact, uh, some might even say, yeah, that's what might might say. Um well, we got, I mean, we've already gone uh, way long. Uh, there's other games that uh, I've been playing. We, I want to talk more Tears of the Kingdom next week as we have played more. Uh, I can't guarantee I'm going to get to 100 hours by next week, but uh, I will do my best, and uh, Christian will have played at least one more than me. That's what I will promise. Can I can I share one more like Please. tip for, for listeners and you guys out there? Yes. If you have a Breath of the Wild save, 
um, go to a stable um, in in Tears of the Kingdom. Your horses will be there with their oh, names wow. and all that. Yeah, so you won't have to like tame new horses. Your horses will be there. So that, I thought that was a nice That's little cool. gift. Oh, how neat! That is cool. Um, I wish my glider was there when I started. Oh, okay. Another another tip. Uh, you will there. The Impa will give you a quest, or you will get a quest to go meet Impa. Um, there's something that you have to do. Like it, it, she'll take you up into like a balloon or whatever, and then you have to get down. And it doesn't like give you the paraglider first, so you have to get your paraglider before you do that. And I think you do that like right when you get on the ground at uh in Hyrule. So I can't remember specifically, but yeah, uh, it's not as overt as it is in Breath of the Wild how you get your paraglider. Mm. So be on the lookout. All right, good tips, good tips. Um. I may have, uh, Christian, I may have purchased a new uh, OLED switch just for this. So I'm, I'm determined to keep playing it. That's because I your child, uh, because my child has taken switch. my switch from me. Yes. Yeah. It's not mine anymore. He also broke it a little bit, you know, cause he's five, six, he's six. Anyway. Well, tell him to fuse it back together again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, use the goo. Get the angle just right. Just and, do it. You know, yeah. Just hit recall it. and it'll return to the previous <laughs> That's state. Right. That's right. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Ash Parrish, this has been so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I enjoy. I, I'm really enjoying talking about Zelda now that I can, you know, talk about it freely, not you know, worried that Nintendo's lawyers will be lurking <laughs> in the shadows behind me. So I, I really enjoy and relish any and all opportunity to share what I know and my experiences about the game, and to make you know anybody else's playthrough easier than mine was. Well, we appreciate it, and, and we'd love to have you back anytime. But in the meantime, please tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the cool stuff you do online. Um, you can find my words at The Verge. Um, that's The Verge. Um, you can also find me yelling about Zelda on Twitter at Ad Astra. That's A-D-A-S-H-T-R-A. Uh, I'm always there talking about stuff I probably shouldn't be when I should be working. So, <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where you can keep up with me. Fantastic. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Website's the best place to see things, uh, especially if embargoes drop between episodes uh, or maybe some big news happens between as we're sitting down and uh, I don't think anything's happening, but maybe something will happen. But that's ChristianSpicer.com. The newly inducted Last of Us video game. What we need is the podcast. That's what I really think (laughs) should have been in the Video Game Hall of Fame Mm. is the official The Last of Us podcast. Because let's be fair. Like the game's fine, but it's the podcast. It really brings element. it together. Yeah, it's the rug of <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Naughty Dog experiences. <laughs> <laughs> you walk in and you're like, this game is fine, I guess. But like, oh, I see. It touches the couch and the coffee table. Now I get it. Um, folks can listen to that. And then newsletter, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer is where you can subscribe to that. And uh, if you want to just come by and see me play one extra hour of Tears of the Kingdom, um, I'm probably doing that. i will say uh we didn't talk about i know this is like you know hey where can we find you but we didn't really talk about the ally um i am yeah yeah the uh, rog ally i am addicted to um sleep on not for me but for my handheld gaming systems and i don't think i could have got through tears of the kingdom or breath of the wild before it on a console that didn't support that um and like steam deck has it that is such a vital way for how i play games now and the consoles have it as well but uh the raw 
ally does not it is a windows uh machine yeah. it does not seem to support that in the way that i am used to and i don't know if i can ever go back like i am sleep resuming my way through tears of the kingdom so that's a it's uh, a no buy for you that's what you're saying until that is like fixed xbox wow. microsoft has hinted at they're working at it on it on pc but i can't picture myself playing a handheld gaming machine and not being able having to a, just having to boot up every time yeah i thought yeah. you just couldn't play it because the battery only lasts like two hours it, it goes to sleep itself it's like goodbye <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that was that was the main thing about it is like the pr the all the embargoes dropped for it like in the middle of the the zelda pr rush and the thing that they were trying to bury is the fact that it has like no battery life to speak of yeah yeah well that's even more of a case for why i need sleep resume because like my steam deck my battery's running out i'm like go to sleep little save and then i'll scurry you to a plug at some point um but anyway nothing 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 else we need to dive into jeff go lakers <laughs> i say the nay uh you can follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada which is spelled two ends and one t uh obviously email us here at dlcfeedback at gmail.com and i have other podcasts you can check out including the film cast which is a show about movies and tv shows just did our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 episode. It was lots of fun. Uh, we're doing one uh, a little, little different, a little different in tone this week. We're doing Bo is Afraid, which is a movie. Woo, boy, is a movie. Anyway, uh, check that out wherever you get podcasts, the film cast. I also do a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. And a sports show. Uh, speaking of uh, Lakers hopefully losing. The uh, the Fan Controlled Show, which you can find at uh, Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment, uh, any of their YouTube channels, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts as well. So check those out. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Ash, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, touch grass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not bad. Uh, I don't know. Stay hydrated. Uh, hopefully the weather is nice wherever you are so you can go outside and sit in the sun and, and enjoy the wonders of the natural world. I love it. Spring is springing. Uh, and uh, enjoy it. I, I'm living for the first time in a place that actually has seasons. And oh my goodness, do I love it. It's amazing. Uh, b- blooms? Blooms. Things bloom, Christian. They don't just... Stay yellow all year long. It's amazing. We Although have I guess, blooms. I guess yeah, we have I, super blooms. Oh, yeah. But then yeah, lead to our algae. next season. Yeah. Fire season. And then we have our next season. Um Yeah, LA is probably actually delightful right now because you guys actually had rain this this season. So anyway. Yeah, and then followed after that is uh NBA championship parade season. So like we have Oh um, boy, he is calling it. <laughs> You're gonna look so bad if if game seven happens uh, while we, we, you know, between now and when we release it. And yeah, because uh, in the 10 years of this podcast, that's the thing that'll make me look bad. That's the one fair. call I've made that fair. didn't work out. Whoops. Fair. Yeah, no, fair. You, uh, you I always mean, the, look bad. The Corgi predicted, I think, the Warriors in the seven. Warriors in so. seven. The yeah. Corgi. You can't, you can't argue with the Corgi. You can't because it can't talk. That's smartest dog. <laughs> Steph Corgi. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? And loop batteries. They're rechargeable batteries. They come in, you know, all the A's, the different types you need. Um, folks maybe have used rechargeable batteries in the past and they stunk. Mm. And loop have been around for a while now, but for a while that rechargeable, you know, you take it out of your remote controlled car, whatever, plug it in and you wait 
five days you know, for the battery to charge. You put it back in your remote controlled car. You do one turn and the batteries run out because it doesn't hold a charge. End loop uh, holds charge. Oftentimes they are charged, pre-charged from the factory with solar or wind. So it's like renewable initial charge, energy charge as well. And they're fantastic. Um, E-N-E-L-O-O-P, assuming I'm saying it correctly because it's one of those words I've typed into Amazon several times as I buy them, but never any said loop, it out maybe? loud. Maybe it's pronounced any loop. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I spelt it because I didn't know if I was you saying it. it correctly, but they're fantastic. Highly recommend. And also this is a video game and we'll talk about it next week. Uh, walk about mini golf's out on PSVR two, And it's crazy. We got to play together. We got to play. We got to, we got to take our wager to the next level and see who can uh, get more mini golf putts. It is unbelievable that the game of the year came out this week and also tears of the kingdom came out, you know, <laughs> like that. That is wild to me. Um, um, my parting gift is uh, a show I've talked about before. I think Christian's talked about before. Everybody should be talking about it. But if there's any chance, ladies and gentlemen, you are not watching this show, I believe there is only one show currently airing that is better than Succession. And that show is called Barry. Oh, yes. Wow. I love it so much. I love Barry. it so it's much. Devastating. This is it. It's the this last season. It currently airing on hbo the last or max whatever you want to call it now i don't know what to call it anymore um it is it is the only show that i think is better than succession it is the only it is every episode feels like a masterpiece to me and it manage, manages to combine super serious hardcore intense drama with ridiculous comedy every episode it is brilliant it is shot brilliantly it is it's it's a masterpiece so anyway, if there's any chance you're not watching Barry, catch up because the last season is happening and I'm sure it's going to end with a bang and you don't you don't want to be left out of that conversation. So check out Barry. All right, we also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Josh. Josh writes, hey guys, love listening to the show every week. Writing in to suggest a parting gift. The new movie, Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game is a super fun and enjoyable little dramatic comedy about the history of pinball. It's a hidden gem, and I loved it. I would recommend to anyone and everyone, as it is a delightful, feel-good, uplifting story with some great laughs along the way. I also learned a lot watching it, since it's based on true events. Anyone remotely interested in gaming history will find tons to enjoy here as well. The movie just came out and is available for rental on demand. Here's a great quote from the film that relates to the podcast. You can't win. The point is to have fun. Ah, I love that. Again, that is Pinball, the man who saved the game. Thank you, Josh, for sending that in. I've heard from a number of people that's very good. I'm going to check this movie out. I haven't had a chance to yet, but um, Christian, you love Pinball. I'm sure you're going to dig this too. You're, I mean, you it's a, about me, so I remember, yeah. The, the man who saved, you saved the game. You're the man. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting those. All right, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Ash Parrish and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. We need to thank our patrons as well. They make the show possible. Without them, we wouldn't be here. So thank you, patrons, for supporting us at patreon.com slash dlcpod. Our top tier patrons, our hype train patrons, 
have their names read out at the end of every episode, which Christian is going to do right now. Hey, everybody. My throat is still wrecked from when I did the Spice Man. Thank yous. Um, so you have to just bear with me as I as I thank the hype train patrons, but I'm going to take these lemons and turn them into lemonade with this Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Chad, Peter Alberg. And now as you unwrap the packaging, you'll notice that you can peel back the protective layer on top of the device. And then you'll see Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spice Man, Silencer, just an exquisite popping noise as you work your way through the popcorn in the packaging with Albert Frail de Dios and Jonathan, Spice Man Forever, Shuplifer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazzle just rolls out onto the floor like tiny marbles sprinkling down a marble staircase with Ben, Dan Palmino, a big breath in, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney and Will with one L. Harris, Chris Zacharias bubbles to the top letting you know that it's almost time for tea. Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, and Adam Denby. Sasan, Dan Flanagan, whispers in your ear as you drift off into Anthony Goulas. That's funny, you drift off from one person. Anyway, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko. Jeff Luxack, and the phenomenal 
Mitchell Ness, just packed inside like the best box you've ever opened before. You find Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny, and Nate. And then when you think you're done, you realize there's another layer and you open it up. And there's Zachary White and Yek and Soren Silk as smooth as silk. With Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, and Nick Strauss-Klein. And as you put things away perfectly on their shelf, you see Josh Peak and Taylor Wiggert. And you bring it home in a warm, comforting, wax paraffin hand dip. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.